This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast, Thursday, January 18th. Podcast number 156. It is brought to you by Bet Rivers and Bet Rivers Casino and the people at Rush Street Interactive. Later, later in the show, yes, the one and only Angelo Catali will join us. This will be our third conversation. And I wanted to talk to Ange this time because I know what he would be saying on the radio about this Philadelphia Eagles coaching situation. In fact, I've heard him say it. He's not a Nick Sirianni fan, and only he can, can, can exclaim uh, in his words why. And that's going to come up a little later. So let's just... Start the show with Eagles talk. Now, by now, we kind of thought that maybe some kind of a move would be made on the head coach. As as long as this goes on, it may look like Sirianni is going to survive. However, I caution the people. Nine days that went by before the Eagles zipped Doug Peterson back in the day. And the reason why that happened is because Doug Peterson would not come back under Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Rosen's parameters to accept coordinators that they wanted hired on his staff. So I don't know if the same thing is going to happen. I would uh, I would suggest that Sirianni would not do the same thing Doug Peterson did back in the day, which is to say F off. Sirianni would take the job under any circumstances. He would be a, a yes man because he's a young guy. It's good to be an NFL coach. He's not going to squander that if they say, okay, we're going to keep you on, but you got to work with the guys that we choose. I would think that would be a no-brainer for Sirianni. The other thing is that they're awaiting and processing and interviewing and talking to as many people as they can to figure out whether they should actually zip Sirianni. So all these drips are coming in a bucket. Drip, 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 you know, and then eventually the water will overflow. When that date is going to come, I don't know. And right now, uh, I don't know whether Sirianni is going to be back as the head coach. What could save him? Well, what could save him is what I just mentioned. They pick the coordinators. They pick the staff. He's the head coach. They save him. And it will go in line, secondly, with Jeffrey Lurie's ego. Because Jeffrey Lurie trumpeted this hire of Sirianni three years ago as another one of his brilliant decisions. That he found this guy under rocks that nobody else could find because we're the geniuses. And if he fired him. He would look ridiculous. So there are the two things that are in Sirianni's favor. Now, the word is that Jeffrey is not in town right now. So there is no interview going on with Sirianni and Lori. And it was reported that Sirianni, along with Harry Roseman, are busy researching and talking to possible coordinator candidates. That would seem to indicate Sirianni's in on the process. I don't know if that's true or not. Lurie would have to be in on that process. And right now, apparently, he's in St. Martin kicking it with his wife. You know, just a little postseason escape. I would probably do the same thing. Um, St. Martin is a very interesting uh, little island. And I I have a St. Martin story that's going to come a little later on Mike Unleashed. You know, St. Martin has a naked beach. 
It's half French. It's half Dutch. I've been on that beach. I'll tell you about it in a little later. All right. So here is the situation with the Eagles. Let's be honest. Now, I counted, let me see, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 new players that they would need to formulate a team that would be competitive and maybe even a playoff competitive team. Let's look at the offense, first of all. They need three running backs. Three. Not one, not two, but three. DeAndre Swift probably not going to be back. For whatever reason, they didn't really believe that much in DeAndre Swift. Boston Scott, I've had enough of. And Kenny Gainwell, who was their draft pick. I think this is the expiration date for Kenny Gainwell. They don't want to look ridiculous releasing a draft pick. But now they can do it because some years have gone by with the guy. You've got to refresh that position completely. You've got to get a third receiver, maybe even a fourth receiver. You had two receivers. Man, I don't know what AJ's mental condition is going to be when he comes back next year. Who knows? He could be diva squared next year with the way this season ended. And you got Devontae, who's reliable. You're going to have to think about a contract extension for Devontae, however. You're going to have to have a third guy who can make a difference. You can't have a Quez Watkins and Zacchaeus and Greg Ward if they keep on the practice squad. you got to get new at that position. Also, you may have to think now about drafting a right tackle. Lane Johnson, how many years do you have left? Two years? The guys they have right now aren't capable of replacing Lane Johnson. In fact, there's going to be an offensive line shift with Cam Jurgens moving over to center. If Kelsey resigns, he hasn't done it yet, and I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, my, my thinking is, he, well, why would he want to come back to this situation? So then you need a right guard, and then you have to get a tackle who could, listen, my lotta hasn't been great, and Lane Johnson's got two more years. So you got to think about that position. And this is before I even get to the defense. You go to the defense, you go, my whole existence is built on rushing the quarterback, getting pressure on the quarterback with four. Did they do that well last year? Josh Sweat, enough. Enough. We, we know what he is. On the other side, Reddick, you got to have to keep him. you got to play him in a different capacity. Your tackles then have to upgrade. They've got some tackles. The, the kids from Georgia have to grow. They have to get a little more mature. I'm okay with the tackles at this point because you got a couple backups who can play. Fletcher Cox, listen, I, I don't get involved in sentimentality. Now, that's a flaw of mine, I guess. Uh, but Fletcher Cox should not be resigned. You shouldn't be wasting money on a guy like Fletcher Cox just because you're sentimental. And the same thing goes for Brandon Graham. And I know Eagle fans get emotionally attached to these kind of players that have served the franchise well, but it's it's time to move on and get fresher. Now, why would you waste, I don't know, if you would pay Brandon Graham $8 million to come back? That's $8 million you can use somewhere else. If you would play Fletcher Cox $10 million to come back. That's $10 million you can, you can do somewhere else. you got to refocus. Linebackers, oh, my God. they got to rebuild the whole linebacking core. they got to rebuild their safeties. Uh, a lot of people like uh, Blankenship, but uh, what is he, really? He's a guy who's going to hit hard every now and then. He gets beaten, pass coverage, and he gets hurt because he hits hard. And then the corners, what do you do there? With two 31-year-old cornerbacks now coming back next year, you need a lot of players. So, so maybe Sirianni is the coach for that kind of rebuild because that's what it looks like to me. Two years ago, you had an MVP quarterback who could raise you to heights where you got to a Super Bowl. Do you look at it now and say that team's going to come back and challenge for a Super Bowl? No. So this situation, to me, is, is really uh, in, in jeopardy on what they're going to do. Uncertainty abounds in personnel and coaching staff. They're a mess right now. And I never thought I would say that this soon after coming into this year where they started 10-1 and, and everybody thought they were a Super Bowl contender. Let's bring in producer Darren. 
Darren, your thoughts on where the Philadelphia Eagles stand right now? Uh, it sounds hopeless. <laughs> but, look, this league is a week-to-week league anymore. And teams every season prove that you can turn a team around in one offseason. Now, I'm not saying that they can turn around and be have a roster like the 49ers or the Ravens in one offseason. But you can make a big difference. The problem is the general manager's track record in drafting is not strong. And they need a strong draft this offseason. They have to get younger in a lot of positions. Cornerback, offensive line, they're old. They got old quick. Um, So there's a lot that they have to get done, and it helps that the league overall is a bad product right now. There's a half dozen really good teams in this league right now. The rest are subpar at best. So, yeah, they can turn it around. I don't know that they can become a Super Bowl contender, a, a vibrant Super Bowl contender, in this after this offseason, but they can certainly make waves. But the general manager has to draft better consistently and stop bringing in the uh, the scraps from other teams via free agency. All right. So they're in flux. And the yeah. first thing that we will we will be all over is this coaching situation uh, on where, you know, it's funny that they haven't announced if they are in love with Sirianni or if they, he is in the planning of them hiring new coordinators why they would just come out and say and end the speculation. But I guess maybe when Lori gets back from his vacation, they'll do that. But we'll be all over. Whatever happens, we'll have a podcast on. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty, folks. Well, in the, in the midst of this Eagles turmoil, uh, we needed to bring in uh, an expert on, on turmoil and also an expert on uh, just burying a head coach who didn't live up to his responsibility. So on that note, let's begin. The legend, the great Angelo Cataldi joins us. Hello, Ange. How you doing? Mike, when there's a crisis, you know I'm the first one to call. I'm great because I don't panic. I don't get nervous. It's perfect. No, and, and here's the beauty. Nobody, nobody buries a coach like you can. So wow. I, on that note, and, and I kind of get an inkling – of how you feel about this, because I've I've seen some things around the the, the web uh, where you have been quoted. Um, you do not want Nick Sirianni back in this situation, do you? It is incredible. I am incredulous that there are people who do. My only thing is, I have to believe they did not watch the last half of the previous season, what we just witnessed, because Mike. You and I have been, we've been through a lot of coaches together, a lot of managers together. No one in my 33 years at WIP or since I left has done a worse job of coaching their team than Nick Sirianni did this season. And I have, I'm amazed that we are now on Thursday and he is still employed by that team. What do you think is going on right now? We we know the MO of Jeffrey Lurie, where he, he's obviously the word is that he's in St. Martin for crying out loud, yeah. looking to purchase some kind of a boat. But you know how this works that he's going to use his so called expertise right. and his analytical yeah. approach to find the newest, hottest the coordinators to, yeah. to give to Nick Sirianni if he preserves them. Or at the end of that week, or end of his evaluation process, he's going to say, Nick, you're gone, or Nick, you you need to accept the job 
under my terms and here are my terms. So what do you think uh, is actually going to happen? Mike, I think he already did accept accept the job under Lurie's terms. And I think the reason that he isn't fired now is that Lurie and Roseman realized that a lot of the bad decisions that went into the second half of the season were not even Sirianni's. I have, there is no doubt in my mind that the decision to go from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia was not Sirianni's. This came from the top. You know how I know that? Because Roseman and Lurie brought Patricia on. They didn't check with Sirianni and say, do you want Matt Patricia? They put him on the staff in case it was like he was the plan B. And then they went to him and somehow they took an impossibly awful situation and made it worse. It's almost impossible to do. So now they're evaluating him. And if they're being somewhat logical, they're going, well, it isn't all Sirianni's fault. We let him down the path. We didn't give him any linebackers. We didn't give him any secondary people. James Bradbury couldn't have been more toasted than he was. So they must now be wondering if somehow they can preserve the reputation of Sirianni for another year, knowing that it's bad for business, Mike. The fans don't want him, and the fans are not going to buy into another season of Nick Sirianni. There's your problem. Yeah, it's exactly the way I feel about it. So uh, you're right. In a way, their points in Sirianni's favor, that they saddled him with a bad situation, so it would be unfair to judge him by that situation. However, the flip side of that is, and you and I both know it because we evaluate coaches, when you lose six of your last seven games and that team is fragmented apart, that is on the coach's head. He was unable to fix that league to the to epic historic proportions. You're 100% right, Mike. And further, here's an example, all right? They played the Giants in the last game of the regular season. The Giants use a very similar blitz scheme to what Tampa Bay does. So all they had to do is go to school on Wink Martindale and what he was doing when the Giants beat them in the final game of the season, bludgeon them and go, well, we're going to have to do something about the blitz. This is a stat that is like this alone should get Nick Sirianni fired. With eight days to prepare for the playoffs, they blitz wildly. Todd Bowles blitzed the whole game 10 times, Mike. A guy came from the defensive line unmolested to the quarterback. No one touched a blitzer on 10 separate plays in the game. That is coaching malpractice. You understand? that You can say, oh, Hertz has to figure it out. Hertz had 1.3 seconds to get rid of the friggin' ball. No, that was all. And the reason Hertz came off the field without the sterling endorsement of these morons is because they, they led him to slaughter. He had no chance with that kind of coaching. The coaching was the reason. That alone should get Sirianni fired. You just said it. He had get all those weeks to fix that. Did he fix anything? No, no. And and that shows, really, that's more telling about a coach than right. going on a win streak, to be honest right. with you. you when, when you have turmoil and you're not, unable to fix it, what kind of a coach are you? Because that's what right. one of the responsibilities is. So so as, as we sit here, and, and I think I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you, that they may look – at while well, we gave him a bad deal with the defense coordinator and that started the, the disintegration. However, the other thing is this. Lurie 
has always operated with look who I as a look who I found guy. Look how smart I am. Yeah. I find these guys that nobody else finds. I find it found Andy Reid. I was innovative enough to go with Chip Kelly. I Doug Peterson. So these are my discoveries. And for him to fire Sirianni is to admit that he did that wrongly. Right. Can and, he handle that ego wise? All right. Let's start with Lurie. All right, Mike. He's now owned the Eagles for 30 years. He's got one champion. 30 years, one championship. You, There's 32 teams. Each team should win one every 32 years, right? So he's not the genius he thinks he is. That's number one. And then Roseman, how do you put a team together and ignore the linebacker and safety positions? How do you do that? Because he put a lot of talent on that team, but he ignored those positions. And then we get to Sirianni. I'm just going to say it straight, Mike. You know how when you're talking to somebody after a while, you know whether or not they got a brain? <laughs> I, I got to interview Sirianni after every game for the two, first two seasons he was here. He never struck me as a bright guy, all right? He struck me as a puppet. He struck me as a guy that did whatever they were telling him to do because he couldn't believe he got an NFL job at that age with that little of a resume. That's the way I got. I don't think any of the three of them really have a good idea of what they're doing. That they won a championship is a miracle. And the fact that they they flushed the guy who got it for him because of big balls Doug, Doug Peterson, they just let him go. Tells you they really don't know what to do, even when they do win one. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a report today that says that Roseman and Sirianni <laughs> are the ones scouring the globe for the latest offensive coordinators, defense coordinators. Does that mean to you that he's coming back? It, it could. What will ultimately happen is he will present his plan with the you know the help of Roseman to Lurie who will sit there with his one championship in 30 years, and he will be the judge of whether Nick is worthy of continuing. And um, frankly, this is a situation where the blind is leading the blind, all right? Lurie Lurie knows, I used to beg Lurie to talk more, Mike, when I was on the air. Lurie's our owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's got the most loyal fan base in America. Talk to your fan. Then he would speak. And I would beg him not to speak for as long as possible. Because all he does is pontificate. And act. you know what he acts like? A billionaire locked in an ivory tower who never deals with anyone who tells him he's wrong. He's one of these billionaire types, surrounds himself with minions who just nod their head and say, I don't know how you do it, Jeff. You're amazing. That's what I think. So I don't have any faith in him, Mike. I don't have any faith in Lurie. I agree 100% with everything you're saying about Jeff Lurie, and I've always felt that way about Jeff Lurie. While the world is worshiping Jeff Lurie as a great owner, I go, hey, our, you know, what you know, what, what does that mean exactly? Uh, and, and Howie Roseman, who was lauded in the city early in the year when they went 10-1, and one, and then the whole thing collapsed on him. And you look at him now, Angelo, they almost look like an expansion team. They yeah. need so many positions right now. They need so many starting positions. And you referred to the linebackers. That's the, the Lori way because the analytics say linebackers aren't important in this world. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's really scary when you use the word analytics. When Lurie was walking in the tunnel 
after the loss in Tampa. Who is standing next to him? Good-looking young man, Julian Lurie, his son, the head of analytics on the team. That's the future. When Jeffrey walks away, whenever that might be, that's your future, the guy handling analytics. And you know how sons work out after fathers. Usually, as James Dolan and Chuck Dolan, how that goes. Now, Mike, this is a bad direction for the team right now. Yeah. And the fact that Jerry's sons got power, that's not a healthy situation either. You know, I when I look at Julian Lurie, I, I get envious. I go, why couldn't I have been the son of a rich guy who owned a football team? You and I weren't we weren't raised that way. No. How come? I don't know. I my favorite quote ever for Jeff Lurie, and I know it's used for many rich guys, but I love it. Jeff Lurie was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. He didn't. Yeah. He really hasn't accomplished anything on his own. All right. All right. So let's 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 leave this Eagles situation because there's so many uh, so many things I want to talk to you about. First of all, uh, Ange uh, did 33 years as a, the premier morning show host, and he's now stepped away from it. And he's got a book out called Loud, which uh, is highly entertaining. I recommend it, that people get that. First of all, how's the book going? And uh, tell me about this uh, retirement life for you. Well, the retirement life is great. I don't mind. Uh... Sleeping today, slept till like quarter of nine. That's very nice, right? Like, I have no problem with that. Uh, the book did really well. The only thing that didn't work out great is that the publisher, I found one publisher in Chicago that would do the book within my time scale. And um, they had no faith, none at all, that I would sell any books. So um, the hardcover sold out in 12 hours, right? And then wow. something unprecedented happened. They issued the paperback immediately. So the following week, the paperback version of it came out. So we lost a lot of hardcover sales because they didn't have a lot of them available, right? But in the end, I did the book tour. I met tons of people, many people mentioning you, Mike, and how you were the heyday of WIP where we were there together and uh, saying a lot of nice things about uh, the years that we you know, move from newspapers to there. And then last week, I, I recorded the audio book, right? Ah, now, they had nice. originally they had originally rejected me for the... I had done a chapter, and they said, no, you're awful at it. We're going to bring in something, <laughs> right? And I went, well, but they listened to that voice for 33 years. That's not great, <laughs> right? So finally, they came around. When the book sold, they went, all right, you know what? We'll, we'll do it his way. I was horrible at reading my own book. You have no, Mike, you have no idea how many times I fumbled and bumbled. They're going to need a month to edit it so it makes sense. It's way harder than you ever would have thought. Well, it, it, because it, because our whole existence, and certainly yours, was off the cuff. Yeah. And, and you show genuine emotion, like on-the-spot emotion. Yes. So when you're reading something, you, you just can't replicate that kind of thing. Exactly. And then I would, every once in a while, I'd hit a typo. And i go, <laughs> we had five editors. How the hell did that happen? How did I miss it? But I think, I, I do think that it'll be out in a couple of months and and. They're good editors where I went. Now they'll figure it, they'll make it sound better than it did. Although there was one great thing. My wife, right near the end, Mike, the last, my wife came on the air 
without a speech and and said these amazing things. So, so yeah, I heard it. It was touching. Thing, yep. Right. So she comes with me the first day to record the audio book. And I get this idea. Hey, while she's here, she can record the little message. So she sits on the mic. I'm fumbling and bumbling. She nails it one take. Perfect. The whole <laughs> way through. Sounds like it did on the air. Huh? The next day, they come to me and they go, oh, we can't use it. You have to read it yourself. Oh. I'm going, oh, Angelo, you gave up so much for your, for your career. Oh. And they're going, but it sounds like, I sound like an idiot reading it myself. But they said this, Mike, you would relate to this being a lawyer. They said uh, a lot of legalities where you put another voice on there. A lot of law. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but anyway, I think it'll come out fine. There's going to be some weird, awkward periods in there because I'm reading Ray Dittinger's forward, which is also kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> but I think it'll come out great. And the experience was good. And, and let yeah, me that sounds say, like a lot of fun. You have a while. phenomenal children's book out too. And I think you should mention it because I'm telling you right now, uh, I have I've, I've shown it to my grandchildren and they love your book about the dog. Oh, that's awesome. The book is, of course, called The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. It's about my dog growing up and has lessons for, for, for little kids. So, yeah, you can get that on Amazon.com. I appreciate you mentioning that. I had a lot of fun writing it. And we did a book festival together. We had Collingswood, New Jersey fun. book festival. That was fun. That was fun. It, it was. So it now really was. let me just quickly touch on Sports Talk Radio in general. Uh, it's evident that we went through stage one. Of sports talk radio yeah. and uh you know, i don't want to say we created it but we were in on on the, the front door of sports talk radio iswfan had started and we just picked up on that and we developed sports talk radio in a certain way and people have asked me about this what's different now because the the whole sports talk industry in my view has changed you see the, the refiltering of people and you see how younger kids uh, who are producers are getting on the air and it's just not the same as how we did it what do you attribute that to um, I honestly think, Mike, that I, I hate to say this, and I'll apply it to me way more than you. I'm a dinosaur now. Um, my style, my take no prisoners, yell and scream style, reflected the fan base in those years. But I don't think the fan base is the same. They're evolving to a different place that is kinder and gentler, which upsets me. But when they did that standing ovation for Trey Turner, right, my blood boiled. I, 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 I recoiled at it, Mike. It was like, the guy's hitting two thirties, making $300 million. He needs you to stand and give him an ovation. And it worked. He got better. He did better after that. And I went, well, that's not something I ever would have wanted to do. That wasn't the way we thought of things. I no, because it was, it was fanish. Yeah. And the last thing we yeah. wanted to be was fanish. Yes. And well, here's what I'll give you a theory on that. Okay, this is the discussion I got into. We were take no prisoners because we were product of newspapers yep. where columnists would take no prisoners. Because right. we were the only source. We were the only source of protection for the fan base. And so columnists, like the old columnists, which come just come barreling at you. And you would oh, and covering the Eagles right. came barreling at Buddy Ryan every, after every game. So that that set the template for what sports talk radio. But it was engineered by the newspaper thing of go at people, be the 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 consumer advocate. And it's not that way anymore. Mike, I said this in the book, right? When I went to Columbia, 
Like I, I told my advisor, I want someday to go into sports. At Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism, it's uh, managing editors, it's, it's foreign correspondents. And a guy looks at me like I, I you know, burped in front of him. He went, no, 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 you're not serious, no. And, and he finally got me to say, look, if you're going to do it, do it like a journalist. Cover it like, like the White House. Ask hard questions. Hold them accountable. And that's the journalism background that we have. You understand? So you were the same way. When you were a writer, you covered teams. You weren't afraid to ask the tough question and put the coach or put the players on the grill. And uh, there's way less of that now. And I think yeah, that's I, part of it. You know, it's funny because I remember as a kid and, and growing up in the city, and I'm reading Stan Hockman just eviscerate oh, somebody. Great. And I'm going, that's awesome. He made that guy accountable. That guy screwed up. And now when, when you, if you, if you go there today, the fan base goes, that's unfair. Yeah. And they want to like wrap their arms around the player or the coach that is being criticized. Yeah. It's a transition that it's evident to me. It's just, I guess, a reflection of the world changing. Here's the part that gets me. All right, these newspapers that have softened it, and boy, have they ever. They are not in a business partnership with the teams. The, 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 the sports agent, WIP, which we were at for a long time, um, they have business arrangements with the Eagles and the Phillies. So there's that added ingredient that if you go over the top with those teams, they will call. And they will say to your bosses, back him off or else. And the threat would be, we'll go to the other station. We'll take, well, here's what I learned about that. All right, Mike, if WI, if I ripped the Eagles, if I ripped Jeff Lurie for five years, every day, four hours a day, and then when it came time to do the next broadcast deal, WIP offered 12 cents more than the station you were at. Right? I don't even want to give publicity. They, they screwed you. All right. Uh, if they gave him 12 cents more, Lurie took the most money. All right. None of that mattered. Say what you feel. Don't be afraid of it. That, but nowadays, everybody's careful. Careful. I, I didn't believe yeah, it. And, and listen, I, I don't want to come off like the old man yelling somebody get off my lawn. Uh, I understand the, the world changes. It's just that there, there's there were different eras. We we had the original era sports talk, talk radio, and now it's just different. And, and you, I think most people would agree that it's different. And and that right. doesn't make it bad. It just no. makes it different. Exactly, Mike. And and I have to embrace that. Although I am still the old man who will yell at the <laughs> get off the lawn. I take pride in it. All right, last thing. You know uh, anything about St. Martin? This is a this is a ba uh, backwards question for you for Lori. St. Martin is half Dutch and half French, and the French side has a nude beach, which I have been on. Me too. It's called or Orient Bay. I have pictures from it. <laughs> really? It's Jeff, do you think part, it's not good? Do you do you think Jeff Lori is taking it off at Orient Bay right now? That, that is so rude. That's how you always got in trouble, Mike. You, the, oh, is, you, you think I go to St. Martin? He goes, yeah, no, there's nobody here would ever recognize me. I'm just gonna walk naked on the beach. Do you think that's gonna that happens? I was in St. Martin and I walked from the from the attired side to the naked side. 
And there was an old man with a beer belly wearing a thong, a yellow thong. This was 15 years ago. The fact that I'm still referencing it, and now you have me picturing Lurie in a thong? I, I just so wondered, if you're there, are, why not? And I'm just I thinking, am, maybe he, he needed that kind of a release that he's just walking naked on the beach with the surf coming in the whole bit. I, I, I don't want to picture it, but maybe, you know? <laughs> well, he definitely know the tides because his son is in charge of analytics. <laughs> Angelo, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And, You're the and best, Mike. Yourself, and we'll run into some, uh, each other somewhere down the road. It's the Mike Yusinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty. Thanks so much, Angelo Catelli. I love talking to Ange um, when he comes on the show. And uh, this was a little sports analysis rather than just getting into his career and my career and all that kind of stuff. But we did kind of touch on the sports talk radio situation in Philadelphia. Now, you know, it's just different. It's, you know, we, we thought we, we had to do it a certain way and uh, those ways are probably gone. And uh, I don't know you, you may like the old way. You may like the new way. I don't know what it is, but it's changed. All right, let's, let's touch on your Philadelphia 76ers who are quietly having a really good year. And we really haven't talked a lot about the Sixers, but their win over the Denver Nuggets the other night was a classic win. That was a great win. It was a great basketball game to watch. Two offenses in the first half going at each other. The Sixers winning it. The Jokic-Embiid matchup. The only problem with the Jokic-Embiid matchup, and Embiid came off the map, by the way. I hadn't played in several days to drop 41 on fools against the Nuggets. Those two guys weren't guarding each other. And everybody likes to look at the mano-a-mano situation with the two best centers in the league who are the two best candidates for MVP, and they're not playing each other. And I get why, because you don't want to get either guy in foul trouble. So both teams managed their way through that game. And Jokic and Embiid matched up a couple times, but not a lot. And that's, I guess, the safe way to play it in the NBA. But right now, the Sixers are in the second spot in the Eastern Conference. To me... The Eastern Conference is Boston and everybody else. The Celtics have won 21 straight games at home, 21 and 0. So they're 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 clearly the gold standard in, in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers hanging in there in the second spot, which is really interesting because at first I thought the Sixers weren't going to be as good as Milwaukee, but Milwaukee can't guard anybody. They're in the third spot. They got hammered the other night. Now Giannis didn't play. But there's something missing with that Bucks team. So I think the Sixers can hold on to that second position for the, for the rest of the season. Now, the, the team you got to watch now, because they make big man a big trade for Pascal Siakam, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, and we'll see how that changes their scope. They're a good team, but they're not in that upper echelon yet. We'll see if Siakam can make them, uh, put them in that upper echelon. Here's the way we stand here. So if the playoffs were to start, there's... Of course, a long way to go for the playoffs. There's a trading deadline. It's coming up February 2nd where the Sixers can make a significant move to help themselves. Right now, it's Boston, the Sixers at two, Milwaukee at three, Pacers at four, Cavaliers five, Heat six, and then you got the play-in people, the Knicks, Magic, Bulls, and Hawks. I think the Knicks and Magic will survive uh, those playoff series to get into the playoffs. So that means Boston would play the eighth-seeded Milwaukee, uh, excuse me, the Orlando Magic, the Sixers will be matched up in a series against the Knicks in the first round. They're better than the Knicks, but you never know. That could be a long series because the Knicks are spunky. The Milwaukee Bucks would then play the Heat in a first-round series. Oh, my God, look at that revenge situation. And then the Pacers and the Cavaliers, it form holes. Now, in the second round, the NBA does not recede, mind you. So 
it would be Boston against the winner of the Pacers and the Cavaliers. And the Sixers would play the winner of the Milwaukee and Heat series. That would be your second round series. So there you go. If you want to project the playoffs a little early to project the playoffs with the Sixers in a good spot in that two hole right now, because I think they've proven they're just a tad better than Milwaukee. And we'll see how that shakes out. All right, let's take a look back at the NFL playoffs with the when did the Eagles play? Darren, when oh uh, in about eight months, Mike. Yeah, the, the Eagles are playing golf. Um, but other teams are playing this weekend. So let's go over the schedule on Saturday. You got the Texans at the Ravens. The Ravens are nine and a half point favorite. A lot of big lines this weekend. And also on Saturday night, 815, the Packers at the 49ers, the Niners at nine and a half point favorite. Sunday, you get the Bucks at the Lions. The Lions, six and a half over the Bucks, And the night game, uh, 6.30, the Chiefs at the Bills, the game of the weekend. The Bills favored by two and a half. So let's go through our fearless picks. And I might add that, yes, truly, Mike Missanelli, all the people on the Bet Rivers Network, uh, I slayed Jimmy Ott and Adam the Bull in our national contest, uh, a yearly, uh, yearly picks. In fact, I was on Jimmy Ott's show. Jimmy Ott in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Darren. I was on his show earlier. Getting congratulations. But I beat those guys by the skin of my teeth. I won by one game, and it was the Eagles. I actually took the Bucks to cover in that game. Gladiator. I made a whole contest. That might, yeah, that might, that might be a violation, but I won the contest. Gladiator, I salute you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Texans at the Ravens. Hmm. This is a tough call for me. Now, Baltimore's rested. They're ferocious. That's a big line. I think the Texans are spunky enough to keep it close. I don't let the Ravens blow them out. So the line indicates that the Ravens will blow them out. But I'm going to take a chance and take the Texans with nine and a half in this game. And the night game, the Packers and the 49ers, I think the Packers' magic has run out. I'll take the Niners to cover the nine and a half. We go to the Bucks and the Lions. This is another game. I don't know how the Bucs will respond. Um, they had an easy draw last week. Let's face it. You saw the the lack of, of competitiveness in the team that they played. And I don't know if that served them that well to play the Lions. They got the Lions' attention, actually, by beating the Eagles like that. So I think the Lions are actually going to cover the six and a half. The Lions, a six and a half point favorite in a playoff game? What is the world coming to? I'll take Detroit, and then I'll take the Bills. I just think the Bills are better. And they're playing in Buffalo. I'll take uh, the Bills to cover the two and a half. They win it by a field goal. Darren, what say you? I agree with you on all four games. Uh, I do think Houston can keep it close. Uh, I think San Francisco is going to wax the Packers. Lions, I think, cover the six and a half. Tampa Bay is not that good, uh, despite uh, what they did to the Eagles the other night. And I agree with you on Buffalo. I think if there's one team that can – has a shot against Baltimore. It's the Bills. And two and a half is a little light win by a field goal at home. I think that's going to be the game of the week by far. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you on all four games. The two games I like the most, though, if uh, if you're throwing so a wager down, are San Francisco minus the nine and a half. I think they're going to truck Green Bay. And I like Buffalo to win by a field goal at least at home. All righty. All right, there are our look at the NFL playoffs. It is time for Mike Unleashed. This is where I go off on a variety of topics. You never know where I'm going to go. <laughs> some are sports-related, some are not. Let's start off with this miserable cold that we're feeling. You know, the older I get, um, I abhor, not just dislike. 
I abhor days where it snows and then you get several more days of cold weather, which freezes everything out there and you get the ugly salt brine that's there and you gotta walk my dog and, and, and pick rock salt out of her little paws. It's just a nuisance. It's I hate frigid weather anymore. But it made me think because I'm looking at all these local news channels, you know where the reporters go when there's a snowfall. They go right to the hardware stores. Right. So I'm thinking to myself, you know what? It's good for these mom and pop hardware stores. Not that there are any left. I used to have a mom and pop hardware store right around the corner from where I grew up in Bristol, PA. A little hole in the wall place that you walked in. It had a, it had a hardware store smell to it. You could go over there and buy three nails that were free. I had to be six cents and you could put it down. I have an H near me. Fly- I, I frequent. Yeah. yeah. Part, people flock to the hardware store to get their rock salt. And you can't get the regular rock salt anymore. I used to get that industrial rock salt it was gray and ugly you throw it down and it would, it would burn everything that it touched but now you got to get the pet pet safe rock salt and and the hardware stores have like a two-year stock of this stuff because it didn't snow for a couple of years and their shovels they're bringing out all this old equipment that's outdated and people are sucking it up and you got the news people there well there we go with a pallet of rock salt <laughs> That old school's not rock salt too will crack your concrete beats up your your you know your yeah, walkway it's, it's yeah, it's it's like lethal stuff. Whatever that yeah. rock salt is, I I tried to sprinkle it on uh, on uh, on my beef stew the other night. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the beauty of this weather connecting the sports. In Portland, there was big ice storm, big sheets of ice in Portland. DeAndre Ayton, the starting center for the Portland Trailblazers, could not make it to the game because he couldn't get out of his neighborhood because of the ice shields that were there in the neighborhood. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. Is there not a helicopter that they could hire to drop down on some field down the street from where he lives and he could walk there to get to the game? Wait, you would miss a game because of that? I can't get out of my neighborhood. Oh, we're going to send a chopper for you. Well, wouldn't you think in this day and age that that would have happened? His official scratch report said ice. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously. Well, you're going to miss against us, my starting center. I, I'll send up uh, an Eskimo with a with a toboggan out there to get him, for crying out loud. All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. With the storms, though, there's a boon to take out food. Now, I have an aversion to that. This is something that, you know how, the uh, way your parents raised you, some things stick and some things you look, you go, that, that was ridiculous that they did that. For some reason. I uh, am adverse to having food delivered to my house. Uh, and I don't know. All if that the time or just during winter storms? I have never ordered food to my house. Oh, wow. Not even a pizza? Yeah. I, 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 the way I look at it is this. I don't like the fees that are associated with the delivery, first of all, which, is, which takes me back to my youth and my parents being so frugal that has kind of stuck with me it doesn't make any sense to me like it didn't make any sense to my dad to pay 50 dollars for a christmas tree when he was only going to throw it out and he would say let's just like get a 50 dollar bill put it at your window so those <laughs> things have, st- have stuck with me. 120 now <laughs> but i also think that you're not getting like when i if you're going to order food it's going to take an hour to get to you it's uh, you know, I want food. I make a call. 15 minutes later, I get my get in my car. Boom, I pick it up. I got it. It's still hot. By the time they get that food, it's not hot. Well, what about pizza? So, I don't do I don't do that. Not pizza even the pizza? Comes, 
No, pizza will come and it's still cold. It's not like coming. I like to time it exactly when it gets out of the oven. Boom, I'm there. Comes out of the oven right in a box and I got it. And that's what I like to do. But I, I appreciate the people that, are, that can't get to places have to rely on that. Well, let me just say this one thing about this Instacart thing where you order groceries. I, I wouldn't know how to do that because I like to shop and I like to look for bargains. I'm not going to write down everything exactly that I need because half the time I don't know what I need. So Instacart's not for me. But I want to say one thing. This Instacart commercial that's out there. I'm at the football game. I'm at the grocery store. If I hear it one more time, I'm going to put my foot through a TV screen. I can't take that commercial anymore. <laughs> I used that right. once. <laughs> We're in Disney World. That's the Jeff that stuff. Jeff is in St. Martin. St. <laughs> Martin is a beautiful island. I have a friend. His name is Terry. You, you will see Terry at every Phillies game because he has the first row right behind the plate. And he's with his lovely girlfriend, Marlene. And Terry's a good friend of mine. He's got also first row Sixers seats that are adjacent to the bench. Well, my friend Terry has a villa in St. Martin. So the first time I went to visit him there, he says, well, you know, we're going to go to Orient Bay. And I said, what is that? He goes, that's the nude beach on the French side. Now, I had never been to a nude beach. I didn't really know what to expect. I had a girlfriend at the time who was a lingerie model. So uh, I, I, she didn't think that was that big of a deal. So I'm going, okay, I'm up for anything. Let's see what happens here. I pull into Orient Bay and it's parking lot. And there's a little convenience store that serves the new, nude community there. So I walk in, the, in, the, in the, trying to get some bottles of water or whatever. I walk in. The first thing I see is a guy at the naked guy at the middle-aged man at the counter buying chips and water and he's got he's got hairy butt cheeks that's the first thing that i saw as i walk into the store oh, were you hairy, clothed hairy yeah well yes yeah, close because we weren't on the beach yet okay. we were just walking into the convenience store this guy was either a member of the new community or he came from the beach but he had a hairy ass now there's nothing more unflattering than a guy that has dark hairy ass uh, so i go okay, okay this is different but that's not the, the least of it. He puts his food on there and he is resting his package on the counter as he's got his little man purse to pay, pay for this stuff. So I, 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 that's pretty unsanitary where I come from. Right? So that's the first thing. So now we go to the, to the new beach. Now, my friend Terry is a veteran of the nude beach and he hangs out with a crew who are veteran nudies. So we walk onto the beach, and his crew of nine is already there. They're in lounge chairs. Every one of them is naked. And I, and so he introduced me. He goes, this is my friend uh, Roger. He used to be a cop in, in, uh, in New York. And so I go, and let me tell you something, Darren. Listen, it, it's hard to ignore when guys are exceptionally large <laughs> this whole crew was like they were like velvet ropes and i'm going oh my god what in hell like and so he goes i'm shaking the guy's hand i'm at i'm at like crotch level shaking his hand i can't avoid this this serpent <laughs> Oh my god! So in any event, 
I go, I, listen, I'm, I'm okay with my manhood. I got no problems. But I, I go, you know, I, I'm not going to get naked today. The girl I was with did. I got my naked. First time. I, I'm uncomfortable being naked around people I meet for the first time. Maybe the yeah. second time I would go back. Right. So I go, I go, I'm going to go get some drinks for everybody. There's a little tiki bar on the beach. And I roll over to the tiki bar and everybody's naked, including this really heavy guy sweating like it's 90 degrees and he's on the, on the end stool and he gets up and he sees me i'm like behind trying to order and he, he goes hey he goes hey i'm done with this stool if you want to sit there meanwhile there's puddles of sweat from his rear end on the stool i go no, that's okay sir thank you i'll, I'll go stand but anyway back to jeff it's a possibility that Jeff and Bob's in the nude beach there or in Bay. Uh, I think there's a solid chance. I've heard some stories about Jeff, and I, it would not surprise me. All right. Well, hey, knock yourself out, Jeff. Uh, in any event, that's my St. Mark. We and I were in a Jamaica once. We were at a resort, and the beach, the resort next to us had a nude beach. And the only thing I could tell was that everyone on that beach that was naked should not be naked in public. Yeah, see, that's the thing that it's, people get titillated. Oh, it's a naked beach. Oh, yeah, you don't want to see something. Like, it's not like a Victoria's Secret parade of, of <laughs> yeah, no, it's right. not like, exactly. You'll see like a lot of old. There's nothing yes. worse. Like, I hate to be graphic because I know this is a family audience, but <laughs> there's nothing worse than seeing an old fat man with gray pubes flying, <laughs> just covering his whole body, walking down the beach. It's unsettling, frankly. Yes. All right. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, like like three stalks of broccoli of gray pubes walking down a beach. All right. Uh, let's close it down with this one. Darren made a statement to me. I, uh, her name is, what's her name? Haley? Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. She was the little girl on True Grit way back in the day. Won an, she won an Academy Award. She was nominated, I think. But apparently she's grown into a good-looking woman. I, I checked her out. Your your assertion is that she is uh, a more beautiful woman than uh, Taylor Swift. I said I that, that Josh you... Allen, who she's dating, had the advantage over Travis. Oh, Josh Kelsey. Allen is dating her. Yes. Oh, okay. That's why I brought it up because you Kelsey's think Josh Allen Taylor has Swift. the advantage with Haley Steinfeld rather than Kelsey with Taylor Swift. Yeah, I see. I don't like the dainty blonde. Not necessarily blonde. I like blondes, but I don't like the dainty little bony girl like Taylor is. I like. You know, you see my wife. I like an athletic girl. I like athletes. And she's built like an athlete. So that's why yeah, I have the advantage. Yeah, that's that's not even a consideration. I mean, that's not even a question. <laughs> well, I know you're a big Tay-Tay guy. Yeah, come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but let me just mention Allie LaForce. I'll just say that. Oh, my. That's, she's so your type. You have, you have such a type, dude. Like, you have... There's no question Allie, where you're typing. Allie LaForce is just strikingly beautiful <laughs> on the air. I mean, don't you think? Because she gets that camera. And she's got good. a really good, she's got a great voice, too. She's spectacular. All right. That'll do it. For, oh, we got three uh, questions. <laughs> Mike, at least it's time for three questions. All right. Three questions for Mikey Miss this week. Mike, uh, I was in, uh, watching Aladdin the other night with my daughter. We just got back from Disney World, so we're watching Disney movies. So uh, I'm going to be a genie. You rub a genie, and he comes out, and he grants you three wishes. What would your three wishes be? <laughs> Why do you give me these obtuse questions? 
wished. They, they're all my you know. three wishes. My three wishes would be uh, uh, I, I would uh, I'd love to be a, a major league baseball star. Okay, that's one. Uh, number two is if if that doesn't happen, I would just like to have enough money to be comfortable where I didn't have to worry about sweating out a living. In which case, I would like to be Julian Lurie. So that would be, that would be, that would be my wish for that. Have everything handed. Uh, and and the third one would be uh, everybody says good health, and, and I'm all broken down right now because I played sports all my life. Um, so uh, I, I would say uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I okay. Yeah, about this, I travel the world and become a bilingual. Uh, Spanish professor teaching English in Barcelona. Barcelona. Uh, you know, with, a, with a beautiful uh, uh, condo that's raised high in the mountains and uh, enjoying Barcelona life. How about that? Not bad. Not bad. All right. All right. That's question number one. Question number two. Uh, today was the Eagles locker clean out there. Maybe it was yesterday. I'm not sure. Locker clean out day. Mike, at the end of a Penn State baseball season, what could be found hanging in your locker? At the end of a season? End of a season. You're cleaning out your locker. What are you putting in the black trash bags? <laughs> uh, you know, that was that was so long ago. It was like before supplements. So I couldn't even tell you that <laughs> I put supplements in the, <laughs> in the bag. I don't know. We didn't have anything. Back then, we didn't have anything, man. I, I guess I would preserve my ball cap, right. but I tried to, uh, I actually tried to take our warm up. We had these really cool warm up jackets that we walked around campus with. It said Penn State baseball with our number. And um, they wouldn't even allow us to take those at the end of the year. You're kidding. It was a much different era, man. We, we, the budget for baseball at Penn State was completely engulfed by football. So uh, I, you know, I don't even have, I took a hat. I don't think I have it anymore, though. But I didn't have anything in my locker. It was just my my practice stuff, and then they they would bring your uniform the day of the game. Like you wouldn't even have your uniform, and they'd bring it and they'd hang it in front of your locker when you walked into the, to the locker. Well, times have changed. When you and I were up there this season for the whiteout game against Iowa, it looked like they were redoing the entire baseball stadium, putting a lot yeah, of money. They built the stadium. We we did we we didn't play in that stadium. We played adjacent to the football field, and it was a nice baseball field, but there was no stadium at that point. All right, that's question number two. Question number three, Mike, we had Angelo Cataldi on with us today. Uh, take Ange, who is likely, you know, he's definitely one of the top two or three ever to do it in this market, if not the best. Who is your favorite all-time sports talk radio host? I don't have one. I don't. I, I, I can honestly say I don't have one. I, I There was nobody that I listened to in Sports Talk Radio. I listened to Steve-O way back in the day when I was younger. And uh, I couldn't stand Steve-O. <laughs> he wound up being my partner. But uh, you know, Sports Talk Radio was not a, a, a profession that I aspired to. So, therefore, I didn't really um, listen to who was doing Sports Talk Radio. It all happened by accident for all of us. Uh, we were really concentrating on being our best writers. So, our people that we idolized were, were writers and, and, and people could really spin a yarn. And, and uh, so I, I don't have anybody when, when it comes to the sports talk radio. Huh. Ne I never took in Bill Campbell in the afternoons. 
I'm sorry? Never took in Bill Campbell in the afternoons on WIP? Uh, yeah, I, I started to listen to WIP when they crossed over because I was yeah. working on the weekends with Stan Hockman. Stan and I had a show together. Right. But they, the station had just started. So it wasn't like there was anybody who forged any kind of a reputation as a sports talk host. When it started in when, 1990? Uh, it sounds about right. They had, they, they had, WIP was an adult contemporary radio station. Yeah. played music. And so when they changed over, the, the sports talk format was all new, and we were all new to it. So it wasn't like uh, I was schooled by anybody or I listened to anybody. Once I got on the air, I made sure that it was my style that came out, and I didn't want to replicate anybody else. There you go. That's three questions for Mikey Miss. All right, and that'll do it for today. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today, Mike Missnelli Podcast. At the end of the week, coming to you as we go into an NFL football weekend, you can check me out on Twitter, Mike Miss25, uh, or you can email me at Mike at MikeMiss.com. Yeah, I'm glad Angela gave me a little plug for my book. Yeah, I'd love to sell some more children's books. Here's the thing. When I sell a children's book, 20% of the proceeds go to animal shelters, and I will personalize the book for you if you can get it to me somehow. Uh, I put my, my dog, I have a stamp with my dog's paw that I put in it because she actually signs it to the people who, who buy it. So uh, Shima's signature uh, will be on it. And uh, you can go to Amazon.com to check out that book and a book that I wrote a long time ago called The Perfect Season, which is the last Penn State National Championship and probably in my lifetime, that will be the last Penn State National Championship. All right, everybody have a great rest of the week. Stay warm out there. It's damn ice. For Darren, I'm Mike. We'll check you out next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.